And welcome to a November spooktacular edition of Video Games the Movie, the podcast. Uh, we recorded this on Halloween weekend, but mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it's not going up on Halloween weekend. So, you know, just mm-hmm. keeping that spirit going through into November. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm your host, Maxi. I'm Dan. And we have a guest with us today. Hi, hello, it's me, I'm Morgan. Uh, hi, everybody. I am guesting here on this, as we said, November Spooktacular. I guess it could be kind of like a genericized autumn Spooktacular, maybe. Just yeah. kind of for, for, for the season instead of the holiday. But well, I'm very excited to be on. Mm-hmm. Now, I might try to get this edited in time for Halloween. If... Not, then maybe it's for Dio de los Muertos, or maybe it's just for the grim chill of death that Autumn has, and also comfortable temperatures and nice weather. How you doing? Me? I'm good. I am excited to be here. I have been kind of mulling this movie over in my mind for the last couple weeks as we mm-hmm. kind of set this up, but I'm good. I'm really uh hyped up for halloween tomorrow you know i'm excited yeah. for one of my favorite holidays i went to a little screening of what we do in the shadows last night and everyone was oh. dressed up as vampires and that was a lot of fun that's really so, cool yeah yeah it was um it was it was pretty great i uh you know love to get into the halloween mood i've been a little bit busy this year but generally what i like to do is pick like 30 horror movies or 31 horror movies and try to watch one a night for the whole month but you know sometimes you've got <laughs> responsibilities and uh you just got to do the best you can you know mm-hmm. but um no it's 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 been good how are y'all what are y'all up to in this late october eve um, let me think uh i had some of my fun usual saturday activities uh i uh did a fun fanfic reading in the Jurgenet Discord. Uh, I I got the podcast ready for uh, tomorrow, Halloween, for for two of my other podcasts. Uh, I I am just really thrilled about this season. Oh, and yeah, yeah. Uh, how about you, Maxi? Uh, I haven't been doing anything too special. Uh, Eidolon, which is the other podcast I'm on, didn't do much recording this month because of scheduling stuff. So I'm kind of just like biding my time until November uh, and December mm-hmm. when I have somebody visiting me from out of state. Um, other than that, you know, working on music, working on RPGs when I have the yeah. energy to do that. Same old, same old. Yeah. Have uh, y'all been playing any video games lately? I tried Everhood, and that was pretty good, but I fell off it as well pretty quick. 
Yeah. Um, I've been meaning to play that. Uh, a friend of mine got it for me for my birthday. Uh, and I, I have, as a constant reminder, I have placed it and the other game I really need to get around to playing, Get in the Car Loser, dead center of my desktop. Oh, I gotta get back to Get in the Car Loser. Uh, I've also been playing Yakuza 5. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, it's a fun series. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm on part four of five of the story. Uh, mm. near, nearly done with that part. Before the big finale part. Mm. Uh, I, there is a character in Yakuza who you can play as who canonically in text fucks. And I'm, I am overwhelmed that, by this after playing. Yeah, that seems that seems like a violation of the spirit of the franchise. Yeah, that's pretty out there. I don't know. They're they're really um, they're really reaching on that. I gotta say. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Also, I've been trying to uh, grind out the stuff for the little uh, lore pages for the current Destiny Two event. Mm-hmm. Uh, L- listen, you want to talk about events? Cookie Run 5th Anniversary dropped. I've been playing this fucking game for a year. It's mm-hmm. pretty good. Yeah. It's... I've always assumed by the name it's an endless runner. Is that true? Sort of. It's it's a runner, but it's not endless. Because it's got, like, gotcha elements. And part of that is that every character has, like, a stamina meter. Mm-hmm. But, but that's basically the gameplay. Yeah, you automatically run. You jump. You slide. Right. Okay. If, if you've played one of those games, you know how they work. Right. Uh. Okay. Morgan, you've been have you been playing anything? Yeah. I I think the important thing to know about me in regards to games is that I'm I kind of move at at turtle pace with games, you know. So, I literally I think the last game I finished was the Final Fantasy VII remake after like putting it off for a year. Um, I finally sat back down with that, and I beat it, and I really like the way it ended. I'm really excited to see what they do with the next one, you know? Um, I'm not, like, a huge Final Fantasy fan, but I am a big Kingdom Hearts fan, so that game did kind of make me want to play some more of those Square Enix, like, RPGs and such, um... The other thing I've been playing actually uh, was was what we're doing the podcast about this week. I or this this month, I suppose. I have been playing a little bit of the Resident Evil remake for GameCube, and yeah, that game that game still kicks ass. I mean, I um I you know I really like these games. I I really like the franchise a lot, but the impressive thing to me about that GameCube remake is it still has a lot of power to establish a tone and an atmosphere in that game that's really, really strong. So I think it's a really good example of even if it's kind of... I mean, I don't know if I would say that it's aged a bit. I mean, maybe like the low times are kind of long, and I think if they remade it again, they may take that kind of stuff out. But... um. I think for for what it is, it's still very fun and it's very evocative, which is something I really like about the series. What do you um, think about the um, two and three remakes that came out over the past few years? I love them, to be totally honest. I had um, I had never played the original version of three. I had seen somebody play it, but I'd never played it myself. So 
I didn't really get a, a great idea of like what the gameplay in that was like, but I really liked how they took three and they remade it into like a very no time wasted kind of blow by blow action kind of thing, you know, where it was, I, I think the two remake was really good because it told, um, it told a story that was a little more in depth than I guess what you might expect from a resident evil movie or not movie. Sorry. I'm already getting my wires crossed here, but um, it, it tells a story that's a little bit more, I think uh, presented on a bigger scale than some people expect from those games. But um, the thing I liked about three in comparison was that it just tightened it up so much. And once you start that game, it really just flies by which I know was a big criticism some people had of it, that it wasn't, like, very expansive. But the original version of 3 wasn't that expansive either, so I don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, I'll, I do want to go over two small bits of uh, video game movie news. Uh, some trailers dropped. Uh, one was for, actually, Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City. Uh-huh. Uh, do want to note, it, it does look scary, but also the montage bit of the trailer <laughs> was set to, uh, yeah. What's Up by Four Non Blondes. Oh, it's so funny. It's so, so funny. Um, it's really good. Yeah, it, it's like, it's one of those things where I am, I am so invested in, in these movies, right? I, they're, they're great. They're so much fun. And I was thinking about it, I was like, well, if they're more accurate to the game, I don't know if it's going to be as goofy, right? But, of course, the minute you hear what's up in that trailer, it's just like, <laughs> oh, no. No, this is going to be just as absurd as I would want it to be. Hey, speaking of, I have a question. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll get into it once we actually start discussing the movie. Is Resident Evil 2002 funny on purpose? Ooh. That's like, uh... I think once you get into, like, the philosophical discourse around the Resident Evil movies and, like, kind of how people interpret them on an academic level and really read a lot into them, is it funny on purpose is, like, the is God real question of the Resident <laughs> Evil <laughs> mythology. Like, I think to some degree, Paul W.S. Anderson, who makes these, is aware of how kind of, like, if not corny, like, crowd pleaser e these movies are right like mm -hmm. he makes no bones about being a guy who makes movies that make you want to stand up and clap in the theater right right and so there's certainly that aspect to it but the way that he goes about it and especially in comparison to the resident evil source material is just so bizarre and yet so carefully considered that it creates a really interesting contrast and I think they are a little funny on purpose, but maybe not in the way that we find them funny today. Because I think this movie has aged in a lot of really goofy ways, too. Mm -hmm. I hope that um, answers the question. I think so. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. We're, what was the uh, other trailer you wanted to talk about, Dan? Uh, the other trailer that dropped was for the Uncharted film. Oh, yeah. Oh, my fucking God. What do y'all think about that? What do y'all think about Tom Holland being in that movie? He looks I, too twinky. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I'm, listen, I'm fine with Tom Holland if it's supposed to be, like, young Nathan Drake in the same way that 
you know, I don't know enough 80s actors to make this comparison, but I would have been fine with some twink playing, like, young Indiana Jones. Yeah, exactly. Mark Wahlberg as Sully just feels really... It's such a bizarre decision. It reminds me of when they put Michael Fassbender in the Assassin's Creed movie. Yeah, Sully is like if Launchpad McQuack was a gym teacher. I don't think... (laughs) I don't know that I trust Mark Wahlberg to carry off that vibe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh... Yeah, I I have I don't know if this is true, but I have been told in the past that Mark Wahlberg was originally going to be Drake, but then he got too old, so he had to be uh, Sully. Oh, okay, okay. That would that would make a lot of sense to me. I'm also looking at this cast list. I'm very excited for Antonio Banderas to be in this. Oh, shit! Oh, man, what's he even been in recently? I didn't know he was still, like, in the biz. Me neither. Um, let me check if... Let's see. Oh, he was in some stuff over the last couple years. Let me see. Uh, he's... A bunch of pre-production stuff. He was in, uh, The Laundromat, El Olmiguero, The Quesions en el Titanic, Pain and Glory, Life Itself. He was in the TV series... Genius as Pablo Picasso. Oh, uh, okay. Just reading some names here. Uh oh, he was in that 2020 Doolittle film. I, I forgot oh, about that. Oh, yeah, like, I forgot about that too. Yeah. Wow. Damn, I wish I could have seen that in theaters. It seemed really bad. <laughs> you remember the Eddie Murphy Doolittle films? I yes. never saw them. I remember them, but I never saw them. When I was a kid, my parents took me to a drive-in theater one time. It was a double feature. It was the remake of Planet of the Apes, and it was Doolittle. That's that's a very bizarre contrast. I do not remember a single fucking thing about either of those movies. That's incredible. That's so strange. Did they just say, okay, well, they both have monkeys in them. (laughs) I guess this is a good double feature. Uh, Listen, yeah. double the monkeys, double the fun. Yeah, yeah, totally. More fun than two barrels of monkeys, you know. Love a monkey. Um. So, yeah, that's that's it for news. I didn't do any further research on any video game news. Mm-hmm. This is just stuff I picked up over time. Um. Also, stuff I didn't do enough research for. Some background notes for the film. Uh, this film. There were, like, three versions of this pre-production. There was the original version, uh, uh, written by Alan B. McElroy. It looks, according to uh, Wikipedia, there was no umbrella, no stars. Uh, It was like, it it was like some weird special forces uh, experiment. Yeah. Uh, Like, yeah. That sounds uh, this... like a real Super Mario Brothersization of the source material, and and that's not a knock against Super Mario Brothers, right? Like, no, yeah, I, th- I think it... what it does with that material is incredible. But this yeah. sounds like the same kind of approach. Yeah, like the twist apparently was that they think that they're like dealing with an outbreak, but in fact they're actually in an in a sort of experiment. Uh, the second version. Uh, let's see if I'm reading this right. Uh, it was written by George A. Romero. He did a commercial for Resident Evil 2 at the time. 
Uh, this one, from what I can tell, is more true to, like, the plot of the original Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, it also would have received an NC-17 rating. Uh, yeah, that, I, that would have been a cool version of this movie. <laughs> like, I'm glad we got what we got, but I would have loved to have seen what he did with this, so. Uh, let's see. Oh, there's also just a footnote one. There was a thir- third one, but anyways, uh... Star of last month's film, Mortal... Er... Uh, director of last month's film, Mortal Kombat, Paul W.S. Anderson, who at this point had managed to accomplish the goal of making an actually successful, uh, video game movie, was brought on. Uh, he was the writer, the rector, the director, uh, uh, and, uh, yeah, that's... That's how it came to be. Um, also, fe- this, uh, according to this, the casting, uh, so we know Michelle Rodriguez. We know Mila Jovovich, the star of the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, Isn't she, he, she's like his wife, right? Yes. Yeah, they met he, on the he, set he of this film. He loves his wife so much. And he, he loves he his wife a whole lot. He her in every fucking Resident Evil film. Yeah, what you <laughs> gotta know about these movies, job. what you gotta know is that as they go on, they become increasingly wife-centric. I think mm-hmm. they get married around the time they make like the second movie or something like that. And so by the time you get to uh, Retribution, which is the best one, they are just like putting her in like skin tight latex cat suits and like dual wielding machine guns and just doing matrix flips and kicking ass and that kind of thing. And by that point, it's just pretty shameless. But yeah. I, I, I think it's very important going into these movies to know that this <laughs> this is just extreme wife guy energy. Yeah, I-, I gotta say, it's perhaps one of the greatest wife guy moves a husband could ever perform. Absolutely. Uh, also, uh, David Boreanaz was going to be uh, uh, Matt Addison, uh, but he turned out the role to work on uh, Angel. Uh, he uh, Also, uh, let's see, anything else real quick? Oh, yeah. The soundtrack was composed by Marco Beltrami and Marilyn Manson. <laughs> of course it was, yeah. Oh, that explains a lot. Yeah, this <laughs> is a real 90s Hot Topic movie. It truly oh, is. Oh, God. This is I... like those Hot Topics they used to have with the wrought iron gates and the bleeding font. Whoa, mm. what? Oh, no, those must have been before my time. I would love to go to one of those. Oh, Holy have you never shit. seen those? Let me let me pull up a... I... Let me pull up a uh, an image here because there was one in my hometown mall that was there like forever with this um with this storefront on it and it it started getting phased out i think during like the mid 2000s and it's really hard to find any hot topics that look like this these days but um this is like the classic it looks like a it looks like a quake map essentially <laughs> oh my god you yeah. know I wish I had gone to, to a Hot Topic in the 2000s. It's but a completely different beast. Now they just sell yeah. Funko Pops, but you used to be able to buy, like, fucking, I don't know, some real some real wild shit there. So. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like, there has been this weird convergent evolution of, like, mall retail stores mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. they've all become the same establishment that just sells 
pop culture nerd t-shirts and funko pops totally like totally it happened yeah. to gamestop it happened to hot topic uh this is more of a local chain out in like massachusetts but it happened yeah. to newbury comics oh definitely i've mm-hmm. i've gone through some uh mall stores and gotten yeah. very disappointed yeah how are we supposed to form subcultures if there's no way for like a grimy teen to buy the world's cheapest corset and wear it like on top of their zelda t-shirt absolutely i ask you i i think that's a valid question i mean maybe you buy that uh buy that stuff at spencer's now i don't know but um listen spencer's sucks spencer's has always sucked but uh they've kept the dream alive yeah every time i walk into a spencer's it is like i'm walking into a mall in like 1998 it's um, (laughs) very evocative they will always have like really cheap and shitty panties they will always have something shaped like a dick and they will always have that like orb that does the electricity when you put your oh hand yeah on it. Uh, Tesla coil right oh my god I remember are. seeing one of those as a kid yeah so... oh. if you had one of those as a kid you were like hot shit I gotta say that's like mm-hmm. a that's like a primo platinum kid item they're yeah. I mean they're pretty kick ass you know you they're good for Halloween decorations too so. Mm-hmm. Maybe twelve year old um, me was onto something. Yeah. Uh fuck, where was I? Yeah, that's uh let's see. Uh a lot of like computer effects computer effects are a big part of this series and this mm-hmm. definitely makes it start. Uh let's yeah, okay. Uh, as far as like release goes, let me see. Uh what is it a success? Well, in our hearts, yes, but yeah, all I mean, of I would the think it all... had to have been at least kind of a success. They've made like five sequels. All of yeah. the Resident Evil movies have made wild amounts of money, and even if they're not commercial or critically successful, uh, they 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 raked in cash. Like this movie was made for thirty three million, and at the box office, it got a hundred and two point four. So, mm-hmm. for something of this nature, they're they are uh, pretty largely successful in that way yeah all right that's all i want to go over real quick uh so let's get right into this film uh let's see okay we open with this like office laboratory facility building possibly there's a fantastic opening shot. Can I actually like? Oh yes. yes, 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 yes. This yes. is this yes. is one of the best parts of the whole movie. This every time I watch this film, it cracks me up. Oh my gosh, it's so good. So, so like it starts giving us like this opening narration, this exposition about like the Umbrella Corporation. You know, they got secret bioweapons. You get the idea. You you know the lore. Um, but then we get this shot where just like starts in near total darkness and then it like zooms in uh, to the it's... inside of this sealed like biochemical experimentation chamber yeah mm-hmm. and we're like looking out at the person using it it's fucking cool it's such a bold thing to start your movie with like if if you go into a theater and that's the first thing you see on your like action summer blockbuster zombie movie you know that you are in the hands of somebody who has like a vision, right? And he certainly has a vision for this film. 
Yeah. There's like, there's like vials of tubes. There's like a briefcase full of vials. But the like vials have, the vials have like, the stuff in them are in like little helix shaped tubes. Yeah. Uh, they look cool. Mm hmm. Uh, one of the vials gets tossed, presumably by accident. But, and. Oh, real? No, that looks like super deliberate to me. Like, oh. No, the, the I, person I, like putting the samples away just like mm-hmm. tosses it at a desk and it smashes. Right. Yeah, I think we find out later that the that it was thrown on purpose to cover up the escape, right? Mm-hmm. So right. the alarms would go off and they could slip out. Yeah. Uh it lets out this gas. The gas goes into the into the vents. Uh we get to see uh like more of this, like, laboratory office place. There's, like, a... There's, there's like, dogs. Uh, the dogs can smell the gas and are, like, freaking out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... and then, like, the automated lockdown protocol goes into effect. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Which is mostly just, like, sealing doors, stopping elevators, Cutting off the brakes to elevators to kill entire cars of people for whatever reason. Yeah, real Final um, Destination ass bullshit. It is so Final Destination. It feels goofy as hell. It is, and it rules. <laughs> yeah, I uh, do like parts of the sequence. The one thing I don't get is one of the things that happens is the fire suppression system in a lab activates and floods the room. What's that about? There's not a fire there. Well, we didn't see the next part because the doors got jammed, but after that happens, the AI releases piranhas into the room to protect there the fire. There were piranhas? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, they, they I just... like, did not process the piranhas Me at neither. all. Oh my god. I, I, I'm just fucking around. I, I'm, oh, I'm okay. truly just pulling your leg. I'm sorry. Fuck. Really- no, I'm I have so no idea. I have no idea. I think maybe, maybe the um, maybe the implication is that there's like a fire, but we don't really see one, right? So who knows? But no, I, I, I was truly having a joke and a jape about the piranhas. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's. Uh, I kind of assume that this that the that being a shady corporation, the. They have deliberately said it so that uh, if something goes wrong, you kill everyone and replace them. Uh, yeah. So, so here's the thing, though, and I think this is kind of the thing that really throws the whole plot into question: is the main thrust of this movie is that an umbrella-backed commando team is going into like figure out what's going on and retrieve the virus. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But, like, doesn't feel like they're making it easy on their own guys, you know? I feel like... So, 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 um, what what happens here, right, is is the, the virus is, is stolen, right? Like, that's the opening yes. sequence. And the the facility does not lock down because the virus is stolen, the facility locks down because the Red Queen, the AI, goes rogue when she sees that the virus has been stolen. And in order mm-hmm. to keep the virus from escaping, she goes against protocol and puts the Umbrella facility into lockdown against her hierarchy of orders or whatever. 
okay. Yes. So, so normally so, they would be totally fine with somebody stealing the virus. Yeah, well, like, it's just no one would do anything. Like, no one would notice, right? Um, mm-hmm. But but the implication is that, you know, quote-unquote, for the good of humanity, she has gone against her programming and locked people in and killed them to prevent the virus from escaping and causing an outbreak, right? Right. Um, I so I think that's kind of the lampshade put on this whole thing of like, oh, Umbrella is invading their whole their own facility and getting their ass kicked. Uh, yeah, yeah. What if Umbrella was forced to fight its own facility? So mm-hmm. you know. Uh. So uh, what else? Uh, we get the final shot of this like this like breakdown scene is this like lady trying to crawl out of the elevator. But, uh-oh, starts up, right as her head's sticking out. Uh, her head gets hit, and then it cuts to, uh, Mila Jovovich. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Mila Jovovich's eye. Yeah. This, uh, this is a shot that Paul W.S. Anderson loves to put in these movies. It I is, mean, I can it, tell he does it twice in this one. Yeah, it is a recurring visual motif across this franchise. So, when I first saw this shot where she's, like, unconscious in a shower stall and, like, wrapped up in the curtain, I was like, she just sleeping here? Yeah. It's good for um, her back, you know? It, it's, uh, it straightens, it straightens her back out. I, I don't know. I, I yeah. really, I really like this thing where she's, like, wandering around this effectively escape room. Mm-hmm. Uh, just looking her, she's like, Looking at notes, she's like, she finds a drawer full of guns. She finds a dress to wear. Uh, this this sequence honestly does feel like something you would experience in like a survival horror game at the start. Yeah, totally, totally. I think this sequence is great because it really establishes a mood, you know, and it is very reflective of that atmosphere of starting out in a survival horror game. But it's also really funny to me because the mood is immediately shattered by like this team of umbrella commandos, like Mm -hmm. swinging down and breaking through a window. And like, I feel like that's the first point in this where you're like, okay, if you came into this expecting the game, like how the game is a horror game, then you are not going to get exactly what you're looking for out of this, right? right? Um, My favorite part of this whole exploration sequence is probably the, like, huge-ass flock of crows that flies away when she calls out, like, hello. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. I also did really like the angel statue that's just covered in plastic wrap. We never never find out what that is. It's very evocative. I I don't really know that it ever comes to anything, and I think it may. Is that a reference to the to the actual game? Isn't there a room with an angel statue like right after you start? Like I think there's an angel statue, but it's definitely not covered in plastic wrap. Yeah, it's it's a very striking image. Um, what do y'all think about the way the house looks on the outside? Oh, it's, it looks so ugly. It looks like a fucking cheesecake factory. It's really bad. It, oh yeah. my god, it is a cheesecake factory. This this house is going on McMansion hell. It's literally like somebody who Paul knew and like he went to their fucking Hollywood house and filmed the exteriors for this movie. Like there's there's almost no thought put into it whatsoever, but 
I do I do like the interiors, you know. They manage to be decently spooky mansion while still having a more modern style, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh and I do like the bit where she tries to figure out if it's her own handwriting by writing the note to herself to oh. match the ones on the paper. Oh, that makes a lot of sense yeah. now. I didn't get that at first. Yeah, yeah, it's her it's her checking her handwriting against the against the thing. See, so okay, so here's one of my problems with the structure of this movie. Uh-huh. I wish they would commit to either like an amnesia centric plotline or like a commando infiltrate the base type of plotline. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like they're just kind of at cross purposes for a lot of this movie. Sure. And I would love yeah. to see more moments like that where she's just trying to put it together based on the evidence available to her. Yeah, it really kind of clips along through all that stuff, right? Like, I, I feel like her amnesia in this is more of a... more of an excuse to have her grow as a character through it, you know? Because if she starts out as, like, the badass... um the badass, like, commando, then it's... It, there's no real, like, conflict to it, I guess. But mm-hmm. I think the other reason is because this movie is a movie that thinks the matrix is like the best film ever made. And Mm -hmm. this movie, this movie is literally the matrix. Like it's like how Neo becomes the one where like her memories start coming back and she learns how to do karate. And Hey, Hey, you you think you ever think about how the protagonist of this movie is a blonde woman named Named Alice. Alice. Yeah. And they test the the AI is called the red queen. They test the T virus on the white rabbit at the beginning. When you go down the rabbit hole into that first shot. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Thought about how like Mario eats mushrooms to get big. (laughs) And like, what if, what if they were magic mushrooms? You know, that's one of the reasons (laughs) these movies kick so much ass is because it's like this man's like shameless, like just almost juvenile writing style where it's like really shameless but also really cool because of how shameless it is where it's like wouldn't it kick ass if it was alice and the red queen and i say yeah it actually would kind of kick ass is the thing Mm -hmm. so there's a there's a lot of that in these movies um i think at the detriment to being accurate to the source material you know right right uh so the SWAT team is like, they're trying to get a report from her. She doesn't know what's going on. Uh, There's also this other guy, um, Matthew. Yeah. Matt uh, Addison, uh, who, they don't know who this fucking guy is. They just handcuff him, and he hates this, because he's a cop. He told you he's a cop. Is he the guy? Yeah, he's the, he's the, okay. Yeah, I think yeah. I know which one he was. Yeah. yeah. I, I just started calling him Cop Matt to like Cop keep Matt. it straight in my head. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Some of them take off their masks. Uh, well, they all take off their masks, and uh, like, uh, we enter. They sort of like enter the hive. Uh, yeah, they go into like this area with a train and some crates and shit. Uh, they board the train. They're gonna use this to go to the Umbrella headquarters from the opening sequence. Yeah. That's the hive. Yeah. Uh, uh, Invader Zim background music plays. <laughs> yeah. We get the uh, we get the 3D wireframe of the hive somewhere around here, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. That's something else. Uh, that is a recurrent theme through these movies is like the 3D wireframe to establish a space. He, I love those. They're so good. Like he does those in all of these movies and. 
he even does it in his Three Musketeers movie with like a paper map instead of a. That's so fucking good! Oh my god! If y'all if y'all like this movie, you should watch Three Musketeers because it's literally this with Mila Jovovich, but just in like 17th century France or 18th century France or whatever. Uh, God, that rules. In like Cyberpunk 2002, yeah, mm-hmm. it's a real, it's a real funny movie. So on on the train, also they find another guy, uh, an unconscious man. Alice remembers that he's her husband. She has a flashback to their wedding. Yep. And I love this symbolism because she just like checks the inside of her wedding ring, and it's engraved with "Property of Umbrella Corporation." Uh oh! It's, it's, it's symbolic. It is, yeah. It, it's storytelling and themes. Yeah. Wow, that really makes me think. Yeah, that's some real Banksy shit. They commissioned him to do all the, uh, <laughs> you know, the fashion stuff for Umbrella. Mm-hmm. Hey, I also want to bitch about the cast for a second. Oh, totally. Yeah. It is impossible to keep all these fucking people straight. Absolutely. And I know that half of them are all going to die at once. So that'll help. But, like, there's, like, four dark-haired white guys, two dark-haired women. All the scenes are, like, pretty dimly lit for the most part. Uh Uh-huh. And we spend like a scene and a half just not having anybody introduced by name when we do get names it's just like a very fleeting shot of um the red queen's like security feed it's like oh this one's this one's range she's got a pistol and a submachine gun next this one's warner so on and so forth yeah Mm -hmm. i like it it took me until like literally the end of the film to learn which one is named that Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I I know I know I think two characters' names in this, and it's Alice and Rain, and um, yeah. that's pretty much it. Well, well, one is easy, yeah. by which I mean the character named One is easy, uh, because he's the squad's leader. He's like the only black guy of any importance in the movie. Do they really name and him One in this? They named his code name is One. Oh my god! This oh, is like the, this god. is like the eighth time I've watched this movie, and I have never noticed that before. Oh, that's uh, by the miserable. Way, <laughs> by the way, he's the leader of the squad, and he's like the only black person in this movie. So, uh, <laughs> you know how long it takes him to die? <laughs> uh, not quite the first, but pretty, still pretty upfront. Let's say tied for first, yeah. for all intents and purposes. <laughs> it's it's a single sequence, you know. It's it's like yeah. a it's like a team kill. Yeah, uh, you get a bit of exposition. Uh, there's the hive is a massive underground complex. Uh, oh, underneath Raccoon City, owned operated by Umbrella. Uh, loads of like people working there, uh, doing secret research. Uh, it has a computer defense mechanism uh and uh Mila and uh her fake husband we by the way he's a fake husband uh it uh so he, here's the part that I don't get is he cuz they definitely fucked and they definitely did have like a wedding maybe <laughs> i mean maybe umbrella was like hey uh, we're looking for we're looking for married employees for an exciting career opportunity. Uh, if any of you are married and also know kung fu, please apply to this defense position. I yeah, mean, they are undercover, but it does seem like they have an actual relationship, right? Yeah, yeah. It it does weirdly re- talking about this does weirdly remind me of like 
that one detail that that'll come up in like conspiracy stories and like uh science fiction and stuff where uh characters parents aren't actually their parents are actors and it's just like damn mm-hmm. you really got to commit to the bit for that yeah uh, totally uh uh so yeah uh Mila and uh uh Matt were hit with like nerve gas or not Matt the husband I I don't remember the husband's name I have no I don't no know clue. Uh, so, Spence like, Spencer the, yeah Spence. Oh right call Spence. Him yes. Spence like Spence. at the end and without introducing it at any point I don't know if they ever say Alice's name uh gosh she may not um because I know Nobody fucking says their name in this movie! Well, and they all look the same! Have I got news for you? Ev- the first line of dialogue that starts every movie after this is, My name is Alice. So they heard your criticism, and they're putting that shit right up at the front. Just right mm-hmm. off the bat. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's always important to learn from your mistakes. I agree. Uh, so, uh, yeah. The uh, uh, Alice and uh, Spence were hit with uh, nerve gas, which made them amnesic. Uh, and also, uh, the hive has the hive has like fake windows, or just apparently it makes it easier to work. It, yeah, uh, it's uh, it's all part of the Alice in Wonderland narrative, right? It's um. Alice goes through the looking glass. They literally go through a mirror down into the umbrella facility. And once she's down there, it's, it's like an artificial reality, you know? Um, Yeah. It it feels kind of dumb to be talking about this stuff with this movie, but it's all there. Like it's in the text, you know, just Mm -hmm. a very interesting approach. Yeah. Uh, We also learn about the red queen who we mentioned earlier. It's the computer that runs the hive. Uh, they notice like the leak they notice like there's leaking coming from like one of the windows they see like the flooded area uh let's see they rain, rain sees a drowned corpse of a scientist and she's like yeah poor bastards and then as soon as she's out of s- shot we get like a flash game tear uh, jump scare oh god yeah corpse. it's so good i was going to ask you what you thought about this one <laughs> the fu- the jump scare got me like I'm, I'm weak to jump scares. It got me. Mm-hmm. I'm also weak to jump scares, and it like kind of got me. But I also saw it coming, so I just ended up laughing. Yeah, the motion of it's really funny, right? Like, like they accelerate the speed, so the hand just kind of. It looks like when somebody falls over on Family Guy. <laughs> yeah, mm. yeah, totally. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh yeah, Mia also is given a cool jacket. Oh That's yeah, important. she's that is very important. That's very important. She spends mm-hmm. this whole movie doing hot girl shit in like a red dress, combat boots, and a leather jacket, which is just a hell of a look. Very yeah. late nineties, early two thousands. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, they're going through the facility. They find quote unquote dining hall B. It's a uh, Secret room full of like weird cages. Uh, uh, there's like we get shots of like these tubes of blood going into something. Yeah, this is down where Umbrella's mining crypto. They just walked into the GPU farm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I, you know, I, it, yeah, I'm sure that, anyways. Umbrella is absolutely mining crypto, let's be clear. That is 100% yeah. something they would do in these movies. I, I want to see Wesker with one of those little NFT monkeys. Oh, Bitcoin. <laughs> Wesker in the NFT art style. Oh my uh, gosh. Jill, you have to understand. It's a unique identifier that can't be replicated, no matter what these right click savers will tell you. Absolutely, 100%. That's just going to be the plot of Resident Evil 9. <laughs> uh, uh, so, uh, so. The group breaks up into two parties. Uh, one party is like Neela and the important characters that are going to live. Mm-hmm. The other character is the characters that are going to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they like tr- hack into this room to to get into like the Red Queen's chambers. Uh, and this room, it's a big white glass room. And uh oh, the trap's gone off. Mm-hmm. Uh, it locks itself. There is a laser that is easily able to slice through flesh. It's like a huge threat to them. They have to dodge it. They do a very bad job at dodging it. <laughs> it, it it's it is a WarioWare game where first they have to go under it, then they have to go over one but under another. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one manages to survive to the end of this sequence, but then. The Red Queen just deploys like a big old grid. Uh, she's greater. And he, yeah, he he, bec- he becomes chunks. He this cubes. This is very possibly aside from the Wesker and Chris fight in Resident Evil Afterlife. This is the most iconic scene from this entire movie franchise. Yeah, like easily, easily, easily. It's it, it's something people always recognize from this and. Like, like, whenever you talk to somebody about these movies, they're like, oh, I think I remember that. That's someone at the laser hallway, right? And um, it's a, it's an image the franchise is obsessed with to the point that they recreate it, I think, in, like, three more of these movies. And mm-hmm. then uh, Anderson recreates it again in Three Musketeers using Mila Jovovich. What? Yeah, it's like a, it's like a hallway of arrows that's, like, oh being my shot God. at her. And she's, like, in this, like, 18th century <laughs> petticoat dodging oh these arrows or cannon. it may be it may be cannonballs i don't remember but he, he absolutely does it with like her and projectiles in that movie that's great it's, uh, it's i also so know great. it like gets used in like one of it's in four right yeah uh, um four was the first game that came out after this movie this uh this game came out i think like a few months before they released resident evil zero but mm-hmm. then uh, 4 was the one that was kind of in development. And um, there is a scene near the end of that game where you're Leon walking down a hallway and you do quick time events to this exact uh, this exact thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, after that whole scene, uh, we get to see... Uh, I think they're, like, trying to make an EMP or something? I'm not sure. Uh, but, uh, they come across the Red Queen's, like, hologram. Mm-hmm. It's... It looks oh, good. She, speak, she speaks in a very 
kind of monotone British child's voice for some reason. Yeah, when we watched this, my partner said she sounded like Peppa Pig, which I thought was really <laughs> She <funny>. sounds like <laughs> Peppa Pig! She does! Oh yeah. my god! Oh my god! <laughs> Resident Evil or Umbrella Corporation is the ones behind kids' YouTube! Absolutely, yeah. This is the algorithm. This the is... most powerful weapon of all. Yeah. A psychological weapon. The Red Queen is the AI based on what happens when you let a kid watch like 2,000 hours of those videos. But, um, she looks good in this movie. She looks like a big, like, human jolly rancher just, like, standing at the middle of this room. Like, mm. just made of complete jelly, which I think is really funny. Uh yeah, uh... Please yeah. don't lick me. Dust will stick to me. <laughs> You're all going to die down here. Iconic line. Uh, again, all-time iconic line from this franchise. Do either of y'all uh, listen to Machine Girl at all? No. Machine Girl. Uh, yeah, uh, that... I've heard the name, but I don't think so. One of their one of their songs samples that, and it, it kicks ass. It's so much fun. But, um... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I... I... I, I... Like, I don't think the plot of this movie is super complicated, right? Like, they go down there, and they set off the EMP, and because they set off the EMP, it releases all the doors and the zombies get out, right? Yeah. Like, uh -huh. like it, it gets you to the point where the movie wants you, which is them encountering the zombies. And I think, in terms of that, like, just from a narrative standpoint, it's, it, it's like meat and potatoes, right? Mm -hmm. Nothing special, but it gets you there. Yeah. Uh... During, like, the zombie, the first zombie shootout, uh, I do want to note that when they shouted, watch out for the tank, I, it took me a moment to realize they meant, like, an actual tank full of stuff and not, like, uh, a, like a, a heavy zombie tank. unit. Yeah. Listen, uh, Resident Evil Retribution is where the zombies start driving cars and shooting machine guns, so y'all just have <laughs> <Hell> to <laughs> I'm telling y'all, um, even if you don't watch the rest of these, watch Afterlife and Retribution because they're so funny. They're, they're we gotta watch. We yeah. gotta watch more of these. have to watch the rest of these. Yeah, I think, I think you kind of hit a bump, right? Because the first one's fine. The second one is more accurate to the games, but it's probably uh, the second worst. And then three is pretty okay, but then four and five, uh, and, and I say this on literally every podcast I appear on, Mm -hmm. uh, Afterlife and Retribution are just two perfect like schlock action movies. They're both so good. Um, so you at least got to watch up to those is my recommendation. But yeah, um, this this first zombie attack is, I think, stylistically where you really get kind of a full departure from like the kind of action horror inspired stuff from the Resident Evil games, because this is where Michelle Rodriguez is like wrapping her arms around a zombie and like snapping its neck right like that is the yeah. moment in this that kind of crosses the rubicon for me and then later in this we get these wild close-ups on guns like pumping out bullets in like extreme close-up like up in the barrel like watching the slide go back as the shells fly out like it it's i don't know i think a lot about how this movie is informed by the matrix right Right. And I think this I think this scene is kind of where we first get the um the first major impression of that. Yeah. Uh let's see. Uh yeah. A recurring thing throughout this next whole sequence is like people seeing 
a, a docile zombie and thinking, oh, that's a survivor. Oh, it's normal. But it's not. It's a zombie, and they're going to bite you. Uh, let's see. Uh, so... Uh, let's see. There, um, there is this one really good bit where uh, Kaplan, who's like the hacker commando, keeps trying to open a door, but he's fucking up the code. So yeah. one of the other commandos pushes him aside, and you know he's asking, "What's the code?" And Kaplan's like, "Uh, uh, zero four. Wait, uh, no, wait, zero one four. Uh, uh." And then they finally get it open. The guy says, "See how easy that was?" And he immediately gets dragged away by a horde of zombies. Oh Incredibly god! Yeah, fucking funny. It's pretty good. It's um, it's it's also a direct Day of the Dead reference, like the Romero movie. Um. Mm-hmm. There's a scene in that where where a dude opens this door and he gets pulled in by zombies and like literally disemboweled, and this is this mm. is this is kind of a reference to that. But I think the part where they're trying to punch in the code is really funny. It's uh, yeah. it's really good. Yeah, uh, I think this is around when we first see the liquor. Yes. Uh, oh my gosh. I. Oh my fucking god. So first of all, this thing is so computer generated. It hurts. Yeah. Yeah. And second of all, of all the monsters to make, like, your big pyramid head, final boss enemy, whatever, Uh huh. why the liquor? I wonder if it's because they thought they could make a tyrant look scary, right? Like, it'd just be a big guy, you know? And um... uh, Well, good news, they didn't make the liquor look scary either. <laughs> the worst part about the liquor is that one of my favorite shots in this movie are when, um... I think they're looking inside the the tank or it's the liquor waking up for the first time. And there are all these mm-hmm. practical effects shot that look like something from like a Cronenberg movie or Tetsuo the Iron Man, where you see like the brains inside the tank with like all the tubes coming out of it. And I love that shit. It's so good. Mm-hmm. But then it gets out of the it gets out of the tank and it just looks like <laughs> it looks like a monster from one of those really cheap animated like Transformers like uh, Beast Wars or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. um, I think that's maybe being a little cruel to Beast Wars because I think um, the liquor CGI is probably worse. Yeah, the one thing that just like struck me in like I think this particular first liquor scene is like it ju- it just really looks like a gift superimposed onto. Uh, uh, a pre-existing video. It's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, what happens next? Uh, okay, so now we get Mila, Mila, like looking around. She finds like these empty dog cages, and then she finds uh, a zombie dog. Uh, quite a few, actually. And yeah, she, she runs from the first dog, uh, she finds a zombie human, and she does a sick-ass jump kick! It's so good. Yeah. God, yeah. And this is, where, reme- this is where all of her memories come back, right? Yeah, she sees the code, she remembers how to fight, she gets a gun, starts shooting dogs. This is where I uh, realized this movie was essentially The Matrix. <laughs> Oh, is is it the bit where she does like a wall run yes. into a jump kick to a dog's head as it is jumping at her? Yes. Um when I I uh rented this on YouTube and for very good reason the little preview image it like not like the movie thing but like when it's loading up it is 
her kicking the dog in the face. Wow, uh, God bless. It's so fucking good. Mm. Uh, so, meanwhile, uh, Mila's fake husband is... So, no, no, well, no, this is Cop Matt. Oh, it's not Matt? Or, or no, this, not, this is Matt. Is it, this is yeah. not Spence. Okay. It's Matt. This okay. is what this is what I was fucking talking about earlier. Everybody in this movie looks the same. This is the this whole movie is just far quad pointing. It's, yeah. Really okay. Is. Yeah. I think I got like some weird misinterpretation or misremembering of the film where like I thought, oh, uh, Matt's Matt might be her fake or Spence is her fake husband, but Matt's her real husband or some shit like that. That's. They, yeah, I think that's no. what was going through my head. They kind of try to play it up like they they have a thing at the end, right? Yeah, a, a little bit. I mean, they they kind of play it up like she cares about Rain too. Yeah, and she's... none of it really lands. Yeah, they these are just some people. They're just yeah. folks, you know. Yeah. Uh. But so, so Cop Matt finds an ID card that says Lisa. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is significant because Lisa is his sister, and also she was planning to steal the virus, but apparently she got screwed over by her person on the inside. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, we also learned that Alice was her person on the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so Alice is like, "Oh no, did I fuck her over? That's not good." Yeah. Uh. Yeah, she was going to, like, do corporate espionage to, like, reveal the crimes of Umbrella to the public. Because, uh, as we all know, once people know that a business is up to shady shit, they face consequences for it. Oh, yeah, yes. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, at this point, uh, there's a transition. They're fighting, they're trying to get through some zombies. Uh, yeah, everybody's just like back in the same central location again. I don't really know what happened here. Uh, they did. They had to do some puzzles off screen. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. No, we didn't see a hacker guy like. Oh, okay. I got I got like a star shaped crest, and I got I got a scrap of paper that says O two one nine. Uh. And there's like a pro- a projector and a lamp and an abstract sculpture. Yeah, we missed the part where Alice had to push three boxes in a row and then blow up a great white shark. <laughs> uh, I I just assume this is what's happening between every transition. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, we get like a time limit. Uh, they have an hour to get out of the mansion before. The gates seal permanently, and they die, essentially. They get trapped forever. Uh, so, as it turns out, the only way to to uh, get out is they've got to reactivate the Red Queen. Uh, Red Queen's, like, taunting them. She gives some exposition about how the Umbrella Corporation developed the T-Virus... The T-Virus makes zombies. Uh, selling selling the T-Virus would make them a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the only two ways to kill a zombie is either by snapping their neck or shooting them in the head. Uh, after this, they have to, like, go through these, these like, sub-basement tunnels. Yeah, the utility tunnels, which means 
the action is even more poorly lit and hard to follow, <laughs> which is great. Well, you yeah. don't like blue lights. You don't just there, like, uh, this whole fucking movie is so blue. You should you should watch Resident Evil Apocalypse. It's even worse. Uh, it's that that whole movie is like they just slathered blueberry jam over the lens. Is that the third one or the fourth one? Uh, sorry. Uh, uh, Apocalypse is the second one. Yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. Oh, right, right. Man, they yes. really escalated that one fast, huh? Yeah, Extinction is the third one, and that's the one where it becomes like Mad Max after the fall of Umbrella or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. The T-Virus has somehow inexplicably made the entire United States an arid desert, except for the parts of it that we see that certainly aren't. So... I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we have them crawling through like these tunnels. They have to go to like this above area that the zombies can't get to. Uh, Mila breaks a zombie's neck with her size. Uh, she's like doing action shit while the rest are just trying to like get out. Uh, uh, see, they, uh, Kaplan gets grabbed by the ghoulies. Uh, Michelle Rodriguez is having trouble seeing. Uh, but yeah, she me- can't, she can't see. She can't focus. I'm sure this is all fine. Yeah, yeah. We should be worth noting. She did get right at the start of when the zombies were introduced. She got bit. Uh, the Red Queen says that it could result in that it is going to result in infection. Yeah, uh, but yeah. Uh, so, uh, Kaplan's got one bullet left. Uh, this, I don't get this part. Like, he's going to shoot himself, but then he doesn't? Yeah, I guess, uh, I don't know. I guess he, like, learned to appreciate his life or something. He, um. I, I know that when I'm being attacked by a relentless horde of zombies, I feel very affirmed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He just didn't, didn't yeah, want to go out like that. I don't know. He, Instead of killing himself, he just kind of, like, runs through a vent in the other direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, right, when we think he's going to shoot himself, there's, like, a gunshot, and we get this great zoom in on Mio, Mio's eyes. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's a good shot. Yeah. Uh, the crew makes it out of the uh, utility tunnels, and liquor's coming, and Michelle Rodriguez announces that after this is over, she's going to fuck. Uh, Hell yeah, girl. It's like that Get sometimes. it. Uh, so so uh, Alice remembers at this point that Umbrella had a cure to the T-virus as well. The, yeah. The virus was blue. The antivirus is green. She goes looking for the antivirus in the flooded lab, but it's not there. Um... She also confirms to Cop Matt that she was Lisa's inside woman, but she doesn't know whether she betrayed her or not. But, you know who did betray her? His husband. Oh, oh no. no. So, yeah, so, so, like, now we get a flashback from Spence's perspective. This amnesia shit is so fucking exhausting. This thing from Spence's perspective, uh, Spence's perspective that's a real tongue twister um this this is shot like a saw twist reveal it is like images flashing in and out the colors go wild like it 
you know, it gets desaturated, like it starts playing this like guitar music for some. He's got this directional microphone. Yeah. While the other two are in the cemetery. Big, you wouldn't download a car type energy, right? And Oh, um, God, yeah. Yeah. And it's so funny because I don't really know that anyone actually cares about this plot line in this movie. And yeah. I, I think it's funny that they treat it with such gravitas to, to have stylized it in this way. Yeah, uh, there's PS2 demo disc music during this whole flashback sequence. Uh, so, uh, uh, they're in the flooded room. Uh, I think, like, uh, really bad at remembering. The cop, Matt, uh, says that nothing's ever gonna change. Uh, he's holding them up. He's, he wants the, he just wants to get the, uh, Vials and go. Uh, and they reveal and while that. While he's monologuing, Drowned Lady shows up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's here too. Uh, uh, she attacks him from behind, and like it's cool for a second, but then he just fights her off and leaves and like seals them in the lab. So it's, you yeah. Know, it's just kind of cool. Is this where he's in the lab and he gets the line read where he's like, that bitch of a computer, or is that later on in this movie? <laughs> No, I think that was this scene. Yeah, his accent <laughs> really comes through on the tail end of that. Uh, let's, uh, what else happens while they're here? Uh, uh, the Red Queen like pops up and says, "Uh, she's been a bad girl." Uh, yeah, God, they're she worried does that, like, say that, doesn't she? Yeah, Matt is like, oh, "I can't believe he's gonna get away with this," and she's like. I wouldn't be so sure about that. <laughs> I've been very, very naughty. Yeah, gosh, you, you really get the Red Queen voice down uh, pretty accurately. I gotta say, it's uh, it's very funny. Yeah, uh, it so turns. Yeah, sorry, go on. She, I guess she unleashed the liquor because now, as he's like trying to make his way out, he injects himself with the antivirus. Uh, the liquor just. Oof. Goes to town on him. He gets licked. God, I wish that were me. Yeah, it really fucks him up. And, like, I think the worst part about this scene isn't even the CGI on the liquor attack, which, to be clear, is very bad. But the worst part is when the liquor drinks his blood and, like, transforms into, mm-hmm. like, a big dog liquor. They're not to, again... Not to denigrate another media franchise, but it's it's very much like an Animorphs moment where <laughs> you just see it kind of melt and uh, and shift into this other form. Do y'all do y'all think this this second form liquor looks good? Do y'all like this? It doesn't look worse. <laughs> <laughs> That's about right. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh. Yeah, uh, whenever it kills someone, it, like, drains their power and becomes more powerful. Uh, sure. It's like... Why not? Uh, uh, so, at this point, the Red Queen is telling Mila she has to sacrifice Rain, Michelle Rodriguez. Uh, the really funny thing about this is that, like, Mia is like, no, no, I won't do it, and Rain spending the whole time, like, no, like do it. I'm super infected. Yeah. Like yeah. obviously, just yeah. Listen, I'm I'm gonna get in position. Just hit me with the axe. No, no, shut up. Hit me with the axe. Leave. It's all good. 
But instead, <laughs> Mia Jovovich uh, hits the monitor that the Red Queen is like having the umbrella logo on or whatever with an mm-hmm. axe. And then the door opens, and for a second it's like, was, did, did she kill the Red Queen by attacking the monitor? But no, uh, Kaplan's alive, and he fried her. Yeah. Uh, uh, they, we get a jump cut to them uh, going to the train station. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there's, uh, yeah, uh, 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 Matt, or Spence? Matt, whichever Spence's one. Spence's husband. Husband. Spence. Uh, he's a zombie man, can't do anything. Mila kills him. Uh, and they've gotta leave, and symbolically, Mila drops her ring. Damn. Uh, genuinely good shot. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's pretty good. Yeah. Uh,. Michelle Rodriguez is injected with the antivirus, which forgot to mention, but while it can cure it, there is a significant chance of failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, they manage to get on the train out. Uh, let's see, Michelle Rodriguez uh, hands over the countdown watch to Mila and then dies. Uh, See. I'm. I'm. Tr- I don't think I quite understand what it happens next. Uh, I think. Um. So like. She okay. So she gives Rain the antiviral agent, and it seems like Rain is dead. And Alice gets all weepy about it. Rain then like wakes up, and mm-hmm. she says she's okay. She's not okay. She's still infected. Um, mm-hmm. and then the liquor just like tears its way into the train and immediately eats Kaplan. Like one mm. shot out the door out the hole gone. Hey, I'm looking through my notes. I forgot to mention there is just one of the randos who died earlier was named JD. Uh-huh. Uh, it it's just funny to me. It makes me think of JD from Scrubs, but <laughs> it makes me think of JD Vance. Mm-hmm. Uh Wait, hey, I wish that guy had gotten eaten by a zombie. Save yeah. us the trouble. Right. Uh, so, uh, Matt shoots Michelle Rodriguez as she's turning. Uh, and when he does that, she lands on the button door. Oh, yeah, also and- we have this whole, like, uh, liquor struggle. I forgot to mention that. That's, like, right before this. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, it's not really anything, because, like... Alice is shooting at it and it doesn't do anything and then just like Matt slams some pipes into it and then yeah. Alice impales its tongue and yeah. that's kind of it for the liquor. Yeah. Um there's a, like a trapdoor under it which like you said it opens when Rain dies and like presses the button with her corpse. Uh and then the liquor falls through and gets electrified and set on fire. Yeah, it's pretty gnarly. Mhm. Uh, so, they have seconds left to escape, but they get out just in time. They're going through the mansion. They have the briefcase full of virus and antivirus. Everything looks good, but (sighs) Matt's infected. And 
uh, a hazmat team comes in and escorts them away. Come in framed like angels from on God. Like, they bust down the door. Light just spills out through the doorframe. We get the Marilyn Manson butt rock start playing. And then we get kind of my favorite moment in this whole movie because of just how colossally stupid it is where these guys in the hazmats come in and they see Matt, the, the, the cop, starting to mutate. And they're talking about how he's mutating. And you hear one guy go, I want him in the Nemesis program. <laughs> and so <laughs> this guy is going to become Nemesis in the next film, which is mm-hmm. just tremendous. Absolutely yes. tremendous storytelling. Yeah, uh... So you'd think he would love stars. He's a cop. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Mm-hmm. Uh and uh yeah, we get some more narration uh from this guy. Uh Milo is gonna get quarantined and tested. Uh the Raccoon City facility they're or they're taking her to the hospital or mm-hmm. and they're gonna reopen the hive. Well uh, listen, I know that like it's the point that Umbrella is a com- is a corporation that makes incredibly bad, short-sighted, dangerous decisions. Mm-hmm. Why would you reopen the place full of zombies? Well, it's it won't be too hard. They just have to, like... Well, they need to get another commando team to shoot all the zombies. Mm-hmm. Then they get uh, the janitor crew and the maintenance crew to clean it up. And then they just go through a big hiring process. Yeah, totally. It, it, it's all good. Yeah. How, how do you feel about working in a building where 500 people died? I mean, how good are the benefits? Also some dogs. You know? Oh, the benefit benefits are great. Hey, all the healthcare you could ever want. Hmm. Are they going to put me in the Nemesis program? <laughs> I'm not at liberty to say at this time. Either I get put in the Nemesis program when I die or I'm not signing. That's That's how this has got to go. <laughs> Make me big, make me make me chunky, put me in the leather trench coat. You know, I, I volunteer. It's fine. Man, I was basically nemesis in the twelfth grade, huh? Oh, that's... <laughs> I I definitely wore a trench coat. I I <laughs> yeah. This is a little bit of a tangent, but it I it was a valuable lesson. In that trench coats are very warm, which makes them very nice to wear in the winter mm-hmm. and very bad to wear at all other times of year. I believe it, yeah. I definitely wore one a couple times. I was a nerdy theater kid who liked dressing up, so, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. No, I, can you imagine how funny it would be if the next movie was not Nemesis, but they made him into, like, Mr. X instead? Like, just a complete tonal difference. Right, right. Uh, I'm just... Uh, he doesn't even have makeup. He's just on, like, platform shoes. Yeah, he looks like a Dick Tracy character. Hat. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I think that'd be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, we cut again. We cut to, uh, Mila waking up again. Yo, they get uh, her whole pussy out in this movie, which I completely <laughs> forgot. Every time I watch this, I forget how gratuitous the nudity is at the end of this. Because, yeah. like, I always remember, you know, seeing a little titty at this point. But, no, you see her, like, whole situation in this film. Yeah, uh, she... Which is kind of wild. Her, her uh, medical dress is basically, uh, 
two pieces of paper with string tying them together. It's uh, like made of dental floss. Uh, she, she's she's like got a million needles in her. She pulls them all out. Uh, she's like going through uh an abandoned hospital. Uh, she puts on like a lab coat, walks out on this city in ruins. Uh-oh. Uh, uh-oh. We, we de- see it. There's a newspaper that's just like, The Dead Walk! Another great Romero reference from our friend Paul. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we get one final moment where she grabs a shotgun out of a cop car, pumps it, and we zoom out on... The ruined Raccoon City. I think it's, and we get the buttest of metal. It's pretty good. Uh, yeah, I think. What is the what is the artist that does the song at the end? I used to know who it was. Um, but I I think um I think Raccoon City is Toronto, if I'm remembering right. Like that that makes sense. Maybe yeah. maybe not in this one, but I think definitely in the second one in Apocalypse, a lot of those city exteriors were made in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, this is one of those movies that has like what feels like three different endings, you know. But um, yeah. it really leaves you hanging for Apocalypse, which is where we kind of get something I like about these movies, which is that in every single one of them, Mila Jovovich gets a like hot lady to be hot with and like be a sort of you know uh, potential girlfriend for her. In this one, it was Michelle Rodriguez. And in the next one, it's Sienna Gallery who plays uh, Jill Valentine. They kind of, uh, you know, do hot girl shit together. So yeah. I am. Um, I did y'all have fun watching this movie? Had y'all seen it before you watched it for this podcast? Uh, I've seen all of them before. Uh, uh, I enjoyed watching it again. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, this was my first time seeing it, but. It was definitely a blast. It took me a bit to get into it, mm-hmm. but once one got turned into a pile of pineapple chunks, yeah. I was like, "Oh, okay, I get it." Yeah, this one. This is good. This is great, actually. Yeah, this one's a little slower to get started than some of the other ones, but um, it's it's yeah. it's pretty potent. I think it's yeah. um, I when I was taking notes, I was I I noticed and I said this was kind of prime rent from Blockbuster at a preteen sleepover material. Like this is something when I was like twelve years old, I would have rented with my friends to watch. So, it's um, it's very fun. It really is. It's a good time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, how would you rate this as an adaptation, and how would you rate it as a standalone film? Oof. <laughs> on on what scale? What is your scale that you do? Uh, we usually just do like one to five, I think. One to five. Yeah. Oh gosh. Uh, I think as an adaptation, I would give it like a mm, say. Let's say four T Viri out of five. Really, that faithful? Here's the thing: it's not faithful to the plot of any specific game, but I think they do a very good job evoking the structure and like the tone recurring elements and tone of a resident evil like having there be a final battle on a train having there be like 
the mansion and it's not the resident evil one mansion but it serves the same purpose Mm -hmm. you know um the end the ending of this film is basically just act one of resident evil 2 yeah totally totally i think um when uh paul w sanderson was writing and pitching this movie he originally um wrote it as almost like a resident evil fan fiction right like um he wrote the um first draft of this as a as a ripoff of resident evil that i think was supposed to be a prequel if i'm remembering right uh like an actual prequel to the games um and this is still kind of a prequel to the games in like a really weird alternate way but Mm -hmm. i think if we're just going on like by the book source material i would give this like a two i think um I think that the first Resident Evil game is much more of like a monster mash than this is. You know, you get like the big shark, like the giant spiders, uh, you know, big mm-hmm. venomous snake and stuff like that, which there's none of in this film. Um, the That's true. It's pretty much just the dogs and the zombies. Yeah, I don't think the mansion has much personality to it because uh, I think I think Anderson is more interested in like these kind of science fiction spaces like the underground lab and... Um, you know, being in this kind of subterranean area. But I think in terms of really nailing the kind of B-movie vibe of the games themselves, which are intentionally very referential of, like, Romero movies and, um, you know, other, like, horror B-films, I would agree with you that this is, like, very faithful to that tone, right? Like, it, it really kind of conveys that pretty well. Yeah. Uh, uh, how or how did you rank it as a film again? I'm just writing these down. I think it's either one out of five or five <laughs> out of five, exactly. depending on how you're. Exactly. Yeah. I think. Um. I think this is for me. I think it's like a three and a half on Letterboxd or something like that. But I do. I do love this movie quite a bit. I'm very partial to this franchise. I. I would give it. If I have to, if I have to round to like a whole number, I'll give it a three out of five. But it's um, it's it's really entertaining. Yeah, uh, I gotta say, I I'm familiar with the series. I know where it goes. I'm giving it uh, uh, I I'd say like three out of five adaptation. It is, I think it is bumped up a little bit just because of like. The fun little escape room sequence that really, like I said, I I really love how it captures that sort of feel of starting a survival horror game. Mm-hmm. And I'm giving it four out of five as a film. Uh, very fun watch, but I also know it gets better from here, but not immediately. I think uh, the second one has its moments, but it, it's overall weaker. I just when I watched it, like. The second one, I remember, like, thinking... I I was very attached to uh, the seemingly... I was very attached to Nemesis. Yeah, totally. I'll get into that when we talk about it. Yeah, I think it's a little tedious in comparison to this one. Um, Yeah. But, but yeah, (laughs) I won't won't harp on it. Yeah, uh, so... Uh... Let's see, did we get... Let me real quick check uh, for questions. I think there might be uh, a couple. Yeah. Uh, 
I'll check Twitter first. Uh, if you want to send in a question, you can, excuse me, you can either send it in to our Twitter, uh, which is, uh, at VGTMTP, or you can send the questions in on our Discord, uh, linked in the Twitter and the show notes. Uh, let's see. We've got three Twitter questions. Uh, let's see. WorriedGoku.jpg at Galactus asks, uh, well, they state, how did this movie go so far off the rails so quickly? And then ask, which one is your favorite? Uh, I mean, I can't speak to this because I've only seen the first one. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's gotta be the penultimate one. Uh, that one has some good stuff going in it for it. Good action. Uh, a very, very good shot that, oh because Maxie's new, I'm not going to go into detail just yet. Yeah, I, I think uh, Retribution is undisputedly the best one of these movies. It is, it is just like 90 minutes of putting, it's, it's, it's just... I wouldn't call it brain melting because that sounds a little reductive, right? But um, it, it it is just ninety straight minutes of just the purest, most unself-inhibited like action sci-fi blockbuster schlock. That it's just it's just incredible. It really is. Um, and I think um, what was the other part of the question? How does it go off the rails? I think, um, um I, I don't think this movie was ever really on the rails to begin with. So. No, no. Yeah, it's, Like, um, it's the first, the first two are as far as you get on rails. Yeah, totally, totally. And I think, like, with this movie, as soon as you get to that part where the elevator drops like you're in uh, an advertisement for Disney World's Tower of Terror, you're like, okay, this, this movie is a little, a little bit goofy with it, so... Uh, Bookcase Queen at Bookcase Queen 96 asks, which movies would be vastly improved with the addition of a laser trap room? Oh, that's a good question. Mm. I have, they should have a laser trap room in, um, The Eternals. Uh, I, for whatever reason, I'm just thinking of, uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie, if, Bob Hoskins and uh uh why am I forgetting his name? Uh John Leguizamo. Oh shit, shit. yes. John Leguizamo. Joe if they had to do like some a comedy version of the laser trap room. That'd be pretty good. Uh, yeah. It, they do it with fire bars, you see. Oh, mm-hmm. I like that. Oh, that's it. Yeah. So uh, so you know in Uncut Gems where the guy is stuck inside the door and trying to get buzzed into the jewelry shop? Just <laughs> just, you know, <laughs> connect the dots. Right. Uh, Countless Countess Cosmos at Casey Cosmos asks, "What cool mutant power do you get from an Umbrella Corp virus thing?" Well, obviously, I become my persona. Yeah, that's a good one. I feel like they wouldn't develop that because, like, that would that would be good for society, and that's not really their thing. They can make money mm-hmm. off of it, though. Like, they I could make know. money off of it. What would my if 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 I didn't have to pick the Fursona one, which I probably would, just just off the bat, what? I don't know. 
I can levitate things, but only very specific things. I can I can only levitate cans of Diet Arnold Palmer and like particularly interesting rocks. So ostensibly useful, but also not really. Right. I want to be able to shoot blood out of my eyes like that one desert toad. That's pretty. Sweet. Oh, that rules. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. Discord questions. Uh, let's see. We get we got three, but I just want to make sure. Yep, three questions. Uh, Dark Wizard James Mason asks, "Can you dance the laser hallway to death?" Uh. If you were good, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. If you yeah. if you like put on the Jim Carrey's the mask and became Cuban Pete, you could probably uh, avoid the lasers. Yeah. Uh you have to do a rhythm mini game to get through it. Yeah. Uh, uh Sidmon asks, Would you rather be in the Red Queen hallway or the cube from the cube? Or Ooh. the cube from cube. I mean, the cube from Cube has like a razor wire hallway, doesn't it? And I feel like that'd be worse. That would like the laser. That'll make a clean, quick cut. That would be so. The cube one would be worse, but I also think it would have a higher chance of survival because if you can figure out what the rooms in Cube do before you go in them it's a little bit easier to survive them, right? Whereas in the hallway, you're just trapped in there. And I am not athletic mm-hmm. enough to avoid those laser beams. Right. Uh, I'm not familiar with the cube from Cube, unfortunately. Uh, Imagine if Saw was a Rubik's Cube. Right. Okay. Interesting. Um, Probably the hallway. I'd, I feel like I'd die faster. Uh, it, I don't want to... I'm afraid of a slow, agonizing death. Y'all got to think for uh, positive. I'm out here like, yeah, I'm going to solve this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat this. And y'all are like, oh, the hallway would kill me faster. I'm so sorry. No, no. Li- listen, if I were in a zombie apocalypse scenario, I'm just taking myself out immediately. You're walking, Not even going to yeah, try. You're walking right into that hallway. You're going to... I don't care. I don't care how many bullets I got. I don't care if I got one. I don't know if I got a hundred. Doop. Done. Save myself the trouble. I think I'd hang out for a little while. I don't know. Uh, I I I'd hang out in a zombie apocalypse, but not the laser hallway. Yeah, I I give up there. Uh, Hornmeister asks, which encounters from the Resident Evil games that are neither a shambling or dead nor a hulking mutant would you have liked to see adapted in this movie? Ooh. Which one deserves a movie of its own? Not sh- I like the weird like plant guys from two. I think they should. I... Also, the sh- we got to get the shark. Yeah, it's got to be the shark. The shark would be good. Uh, I um, I think they should have adapted the weird son in Resident Evil Seven, who's like Jigsaw, uh, and they should have put. That oh in wait. Movies. Oh, does does Salazar count? Because I want a oh, movie yeah, about Salazar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That totally counts. Yeah. I th- what about what about the boulder? The boulder is also a good one. Um, I think the best game ever made, or at least a very good game, would be 
uh, Capcom should have made a character action game based on these movies where you play as Alice and you do like kick flips and you shoot machine guns like basically Bayonetta right but with mm. Mila Jovovich as Alice I think that yeah. that would be an incredible video game that sounds awesome I I play it uh that's it for questions uh let me think what else to talk about uh what are we thinking for November I actually have I will say in advance I have come up with things for december and january uh november however we're we're open uh i feel like i want to watch something that's just complete shit you should um i want to watch i think i want to watch a new bowl Oh, really? Ooh. I was going to say you should oh. watch the Dead or Alive movie that Paul produced, because that one's just total schlock. I forgot there was one. Yeah, he, he produced oh. it, and it's directed in the same way that a lot of his movies are. Yeah. Um, What would be another good one for y'all? I, I think um, uh, Street Fighter Legend of Chun-Li is hilarious. That no, no, we we just saw Street Fighter a couple months ago, yeah. and I'm still recovering from yeah, that one. Yeah, Chun-Li, Chun-Li is like as absurd as that one but more with like early 2010s like edgy stylistic stuff um mm-hmm. i i highly recommend it but um yeah I, I don't know uh y'all could do the alone in the dark movie um oh i forgot about that yeah i know you just did a zombie one but there's the house of the dead one that he did right um mm-hmm. uh yeah i'm hmm I'm thinking alone in the dark. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, I can get behind that. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah, it looked, just a quick check on here, does say it has a Stinker's Bad Movie Award for Worst Sense of Direction and a Golden Raspberry Award for Worst Director. Uh, and that guy punched Lotax in the face, so that's already got me interested. Uh yeah, listen, let's... under no circumstances do you need to hand it to him, but he did punch Lotax in the face. Uh Yeah, okay. Alone in the Dark, next film. Hell yeah. Uh Yeah. Uh let's see. Oh, uh uh Morgan, it was great having you on. Yeah, thanks. I definitely I definitely want to bring you on it, the next time we talk about a Resident Evil film. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I will definitely be down for that. Thank you so much for having me on. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was a uh, treat. Yeah. yeah. I love to talk about these stupid movies. <laughs> I really do. Um, <laughs> and, you know, these games are also great. So if you haven't played Resident yeah. Evil, please, please, by all means. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, let's do some plugs. Uh, Morgan, you're a guest. Why don't you go first? Yeah, um, you can find me in a couple places. I'm still on Twitter at CurseGoat. Uh, if you want to keep up with other movies I watch, I'm on Letterboxd at Sewer Peak. Um, I was just recently on the podcast Fear Baiting for Schlocktober, where we talked about the 2017 remake slash sequel of Flatliners starring Elliot Page which was an unexpected Christian film. Very interesting. 
and I also do the podcast Emoji Drome with Sylvie. Uh, I have been so busy lately, but we are about to start updating that again. So if you want to hear two people uh, crack wise about Emoji, then I guess that's the program for you. Good um, podcast. I need to yeah, catch up you. on it. It's been a while. Yeah, I I need to listen to more of it. My problem is I I feel like I have to be looking at yeah. Emojipedia while I'm doing it. We kind of cooked up the idea for that without really considering the uh, kind of ask of including a visual element to it. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's just one of those things. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm Dan. You can find me at a lot of places, and you can find those places at linktr.ee slash big underscore challenges. Uh, you can find my Twitter at bigger challenge. You can find the wide variety of podcasts I do, which include Pod of Greed, Yu-Gi-Oh! Podcast. We finished season two. Uh, we're going to be recording a wrap-up episode tomorrow. Uh, or season two of GX. Uh, you can listen to the Sonic Shuffle, uh, Sonic Lore Podcast. Uh, you, by the time you hear this, you will be able to hear our, uh, episode on, uh, the Tales doll creepypasta. Oh, hell yeah. Which we brought on Nana Roy of Nana Roy's Nightmare and Era. And also r- worth bringing up that I also guessed it on a Nightmare and Era episode on Sonic.exe. It's, it was really, really good. Uh, you can listen to... Video games, the movie, the podcast. Wait, that's this one. Fuck, yeah, I always that's this one. Holy <laughs> shit! I mean, I... you can listen to it. You're doing it right now. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, listen to earlier episodes if you haven't. Uh, listen to Chill Bleed, Michael Reynolds' Auditory Horrorland, uh, a Ill- a limited run Ill Bleed podcast I'm doing with uh Gigalithic and John. Uh, we, we are, we just talked about Killer Man. Hell that yeah. episode will be up by the time you hear this. It'll be kicks ass. Uh, that game is so fun. It uh, does. It's so fucking good. We're probably, our next recording is probably going to be the, uh, final episode. We'll be talking about Toy Hunter, uh, the, the museum, the true ending and all that. Cork goes to hell. Yeah. Cork goes to hell. Ugh. I'm real excited for that. Uh, uh, you can listen to Stranger's Fiction, an actual play podcast focused on one shots. Uh, we, there hasn't been an episode lately, but, uh, we are looking at, towards scheduling another one sometime in the near future. Uh, and, uh, last but not least is at Xbox underscore holiday, where Usher celebrates holidays with Xbox. Uh, happy Halloween, Xbox. Happy uh, Halloween, Xbox. Happy Halloween, Xbox. Uh, and, yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, uh, Maxi, where can we find you? You can find me at Max Knightley, that's K-N-I-G-H-T-L-E-Y, on Twitter and Tumblr. I'm also on the podcast Eidolon Playtest, that's an actual play podcast, heavily inspired by jojo's bizarre adventure and persona we are currently in our second season it is going really well every episode is even better than the last one and 
I made a full soundtrack for it. The full soundtrack is out for Patreon subscribers for both seasons. Uh, it, I'm genuinely really proud of my work on that show. Uh, and you can find us on Twitter at VGTMTP. Uh, from there you can find our Discord. And you can also find us on Noisepace.xyz. Uh, Noisepace.xyz is this sort of podcast network run by a Canadian man, hence why you have to say Zed. Uh, there's lots and lots of shows. Uh, I'm just gonna shout out two that have started recently. Uh, Digimon Ghost Gaze about the new Digimon anime, Digimon Ghost Game. Uh, they did a really, uh, recently there was a week where they, there was no, no episode, so instead they did a review of the Digimon movie. Uh, that one's really fun. You can, and the other one is Prime Cuts, uh, a podcast my friend Audrey does with another friend of mine, Nero Wyvern, uh, going through, uh, going through all of, like, t- Transformers television, but not in order. Uh, they're, they seem, I don't know the exact nature, whether it's just which ones they want to talk about the most or what, but you can listen to that. And it's real good. They're, like, on their third episode now. Uh, and there's other good shows. Uh, Kyle XY, uh, recently, uh, recorded their series finale episode for the show. They're gonna talk about fan fiction in the future. Don't know much about that. Uh, you can listen to, uh, let's see, uh, Slappers Only. Uh, video game music showdown podcast. That one's really good. Uh, you can listen to, uh, Zero to Zero. They are talking about Wonder Woman and for the first time ever, they are talking about something they don't hate. Uh, uh, you can listen to, uh, oh, I already mentioned Nanoroy's Nightmare and Era. Uh, and, and we've already talked about fear baiting. Uh, yeah. Go listen to, go visit noisepace.xyz. Uh, tell your friends. Uh, rate, review, all that, all that jazz. Uh, so. Uh, that brings us to the end, and. Uh, remember. This ain't no game. This is real life? Or is. Is that what it is? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's just this ain't no game. This ain't no game. Yeah. Uh, bye. Bye. Bye.